Goldman downgrades GDP expectations. BlackRock takes a big Russian loss. We cover the biggest analyst calls of the day. DocuSign tumbles on earnings and Rivian disappoints. This is the Running With The Money weekly recap. Let's get into it. What is up and welcome to the Running With The Money weekly recap powered by Pound of the Table. Either way, we are back and the markets are unfortunately falling with the Dow Jones currently down 221, NASDAQ down 281, and the S&P 500 down 53 points. Either way, getting right into the news, what in the world is going on? Overnight, we had Goldman Sachs and actually Wells Fargo as well downgrading their GDP expectations for the United States. For the year of 2022, Goldman Sachs economists did indeed cut their outlook for gross domestic product, otherwise known as GDP, for the full year to 2.9%, which is down now from the original 3.1%. Now, this is not the first downgrade of U.S. GDP expectations out of Goldman Sachs. It was as high as 4.2% just late last year for the year of 2022. Now we're down to 2.9%. Now, alongside this downgrade on pressure from Russia and Ukraine, that is what Goldman Sachs is citing on this GDP downgrade. You also have to take a look at what they believe is going on on the recession front. So this is what Goldman Sachs had to say. The largest risk to the United States economy from the war in Ukraine remains higher commodity prices. Rising commodity prices will likely result in a drag on consumer spending as households and lower income households in particular are forced to spend a larger share of income on food and gas. And that is Goldman Sachs economist Joseph Briggs. He said that in a note last night to clients. Now, he also said that the chances of a recession are also rising. He went on to say, even after these downgrades, we still see risk around our growth forecast as skewed to the downside, particularly if sanctions escalate or if oil prices rise even further. Following our downgrade, we now see a somewhat higher risk that the United States enters a recession over the next year, especially since we know or now expect below trend growth in both 2022 Q1 and 2022Q2. Q2. So in essence, he is saying the chances of a recession are increasing and he actually touched on the percent odds of a recession. He went on to say, quote, while our baseline forecast assumes that further service sector reopening and spending from excess savings will keep real GDP growth positive in the coming quarters, uncertainty around the outlook is higher than normal. And we view the risk of a recession as broadly in line with the 20 to 35% odds currently implied by models based on the slope of the yield curve. And he's talking about treasury yields there. Now, taking a look at this SIM call out of Wells Fargo. So Wells Fargo very much made the exact same downgrade here, except the numbers are slightly different. You have Wells Fargo also overnight slashing their full year GDP expectation to 3.1% from 4.5% while simultaneously increasing their inflation outlook to 6.8% from 5.3%. So they continue to see and expect that GDP is going to be lower than expected and inflation is going to be higher than expected. Wells Fargo went on to say, quote, the recession for the economic growth downgrade is mainly the prospect for more pervasive and persistent inflation, which we anticipate will slow the U.S. economy later in the year. While recession risk have assuredly risen, 
we still expect 2022 economic growth at historically average levels and no recession in the United States. So, both Wells Fargo and Goldman Sachs downgrading their GDP growth expectation for the year of 2022, expecting higher inflation and also seeing the chance of a recession as higher, but not as high to say that, yes, we're going to have a recession. They're basically saying there is a chance, but we don't really expect it to happen. Now, shifting into this loss that BlackRock actually just recently took, and it is, of course, related to Russia. So, BlackRock, which as many of you I'm sure know, is the world's largest asset manager by management amount, $10 trillion plus is what is under BlackRock's management, but they have taken roughly a $17 billion loss on their Russian security holdings. Now, why has this occurred? Well, back at the end of January, clients of BlackRock held roughly $18.2 billion in Russian assets, and then their market turned to the downside so quickly, and then those markets locked up that in essence, those assets became unsellable. So in that case, they had to mark down those assets when it comes to value, and that value was marked down so far to the point that they will be taking a $17 billion loss, or at least that's the loss that is currently showing. Now, We also know that BlackRock suspended all purchases of Russian assets on February 28th, and they also disclosed, and this is really where the sheer size of BlackRock comes into vision, that out of all of their management, out of all of the funds that they manage, out of all the wealth they manage, that this really only accounts for 0.01% of assets under management. So they can take an $18 billion hit, and that can account for literally only 0.01% of all of their assets under management. So this loss, while it sounds big to the normal person, I mean, $17 billion is an absolutely insane amount of money. It really is not huge to BlackRock, but it's definitely something to note. And it goes to show the effects of what in the world um, is going on in Ukraine and Russia and all of that terrible conflict. Well, you now see in dollar signs um, how that affects some of these big time management firms. Now, a BlackRock spokesperson on February 28th confirmed that the value of that original $18.2 billion in Russian assets held at the end of January are now worth roughly $1 billion. So definitely not a uh, great return for those who are within those Russian assets. Now, shifting into some more news on Russia We did have President Biden speak today right around 10.30 a.m., and he called for the end of Russia's, quote, most favored nation trade status. Now, simply put, this will open the door to even more trade sanctions and tariffs on Russia, and President Biden also announced that he expects, and the government is expecting, the European Union and the group of seven nations to take very similar steps in calling for the end of this most favored nation trade status. So definitely something to be paying attention to. We also had Canada. They've already moved this Russian status, this trade status. They've already moved their most favored status from Russia. So Canada taking the first step we following here. And then the European Union in the group of seven nations is also expected to respond in a very similar manner. And then also more sanctions via executive order out of the Biden administration being put onto Russia. On Friday, President Biden also banned the import of Russian seafood, non-industrial diamonds, liquor, to the United States, 
and also the order prohibited the export or sale of American luxury goods to anyone located in Russia. So the United States continuing to put even more economic pressure on Russia throughout this conflict. Now, shifting into the biggest analyst calls of the day, Deutsche Bank had quite a few calls. In fact, they had so many that we can't even report on them all. But they did. The started off Deutsche Bank initiating coverage of roadblocks as a buy. The firm went on to say, quote, we see roadblocks as an early leader in the interactive digital creator marketplace with growing moats and strong network effects. They also made a call initiating coverage of Amazon as a buy. The firm went on to say, quote, we believe that the market is under appreciated upside associated with retail revenue that post COVID should grow more in line with the company's infrastructure expansion, which should still be greater than 25% year over year for 2022. Multi-channel grocery share gains and the AWS revenue implications of the $80 billion in gross backlog additions that the company has added throughout 2020 and 2021. Deutsche Bank really liking what they're seeing within the numbers at Amazon and in the year ahead. We also have Deutsche Bank initiating coverage of meta platforms, a name that's not so loved lately, as a buy. The firm went on to say, quote, as a result, we see long-term advertiser demand increasing across all digital mediums. And as the largest social platform, we contend that meta remains favorably positioned to benefit from the growing digital ad market. So Deutsche Bank believes that digital ad market is going to continue to grow. Clearly, meta, or previously known as Facebook, is still the leader in that space. And Deutsche Bank believes that they are going to continue to grow, therefore initiating coverage of Facebook or meta platforms as a buy. And then finally, Deutsche Bank initiated coverage as L of Alphabet as a buy. The firm went on to say, quote, we initiate on Alphabet with a buy rating in a $3,150 price target. We see Alphabet as a structural winner from the secular trend of commerce and services shifting from online physical venues to digital storefronts. So in essence, you have Alphabet here being initiated as a buy by Deutsche Bank. Deutsche Bank liking what they're seeing on the fundamental front when it comes to the company. Now, shifting into Wells Fargo, initiating coverage of deer as overweight. They want to say, quote, we recognize farm equipment has moved into the mid-cycle territory in that farmer expense pressures have moved lower government subsidies will weigh on 2022 industry net farm income. However, Deer continues to distance itself from the rest of our machinery coverage in embracing secular tailwinds around technology and sustainability. So in essence, Wells Fargo, they recognize this mid-cycle growth here. They recognize that you might see some slowed growth in those typical income areas for deer, but the fact that they are actually adapting and embracing some things on the technology front and sustainability front, and therefore Wells Fargo likes what they see ahead for deer Initiating coverage as overweight. Now, we also had JP Morgan downgrading Chevron to underweight from neutral. The firm went on to say, quote, we downgrade to underweight from neutral. High quality global oil major through valuation looks increasingly full. CVX, otherwise known as Chevron, is a higher quality oil major with primary exposure to upstream and a smaller downstream chemicals footprint than US Pier XOM. So, in essence, what you have here is J.P. Morgan downgrading Chevron to underweight from neutral, pretty much saying this. Look, guys, we simply believe that this name has run to a very much stretched valuation, and therefore, we don't want you buying it here. In fact, we want you taking some of those profits off the table because this name has run so far on the latest oil boom. 
And then finally, we have Bank of America upgrading XPL Logistics to buy from neutral. The firm went on to say, quote, we raise our rating on XPL Logistics shares to buy from neutral and lift or PO to $96 from $70. We shift our valuation to a sum of the parts on EBITDA multiples and segment from a PE basis formally given its proposed breakup in asset spins. So, Bank of America liking what they're seeing at XPL Logistics, upgrading the name to buy from neutral. Pretty much citing here the breakup um, that you saw within XPO over the course of the past few years and also the fact that the company on a multiples basis isn't all too expensive. Now, shifting into DocuSign and Rivian earnings, we're going to cover these real quick. So, DocuSign tumbling on earnings today. They actually reported last night, but the most live action, real-time market action, price action we got is this morning. DocuSign taking a hit. DocuSign earnings came in at 48 cents a share when it is on an adjusted basis, which is actually up 30% year over year. And if you compare it to just a year earlier, when DocuSign earnings were 37 cents, it doesn't look too shabby. Also, revenue rose 35% year over year at DocuSign to $580.8 million, which compared to the $431 million just a year earlier, doesn't look all too bad. In fact, it's pretty darn good. Now, analysts were expecting earnings per share of $0.48 cents and revenue of $561.6 million. So, EPS in line, but revenue beating the mark by actually quite a bit. The real disappointing factor here, though, was for fiscal 2023, DocuSign did indeed forecast a revenue range of $2.47 to $2.48 billion, which missed the estimate of $2.61 billion. So guidance coming up a bit short. DocuSign also announced a $200 million stock repurchase program. Now, shifting into Rivian, they actually, well, had a very similar reaction to earnings as did DocuSign. Very, very negative reaction to earnings, delivering an adjusted loss per share of $2.43. Analysts were expecting a loss per share of $1.97. Revenue came in at $54 million, below the $60 million expectation. And also, you take a look, they reported an operating loss of $2.8 billion for 2021, including a $1.1 billion loss or operating loss in the fourth quarter. You shift into net loss for 2021, the full year. That came in at a loss of $4.7 billion, which just in the most previous quarter was a $2.5 billion loss. So Rivian is losing a lot of money here. Now, shifting into capital expenditures, Rivian said that they expect cap expenditures to total roughly $8 billion through to the end of 2023. Also, Rivian, they only expect to produce 25,000 SUVs and electric trucks, both of those being electric. Um, And they noted that the supply chain issues that many companies have been battling throughout the past few years are getting even worse and that they are constraining the company on the production front. And that is missing the production estimate, that 25,000 expectation is missing the original estimate at IPO by more than half. So Rivian definitely missing the marks on the production front. You take a look at what management had to say. They go on to say, quote, in the immediate term, we are not immune to the supply chain issues that have challenged the entire industry. Those issues, which we believe will come through at least 2022, have added a layer of complexity to our production ramp. And that was out of Rivian, the company itself and management team to shareholders. Finally, 
Rivian, they did note that reservations for their electric vehicles actually reached 83,000, which was up from the previous reading on March 8th of 71,000. Well, 83 as of March 8th, and in December it was 71,000. So definitely an improvement there, but nothing drastic. Now, shifting in to a little recap of the week. On Monday, of course, we had Amazon disclosing their acquisition of Vico. So that is something to note. A smaller acquisition, but definitely something to note. I mean, at the end of the day, the company is actually quite pertinent to what Amazon is doing, integrating a more robust tool for sellers um, into their MCF program. So if you want to learn more about the small acquisition of Vico by Amazon, you can go check this out in the Monday briefing. Also on Monday, you had Bed Bath & Beyond shares spiking on news that GameStop chairman Ryan Cohen, his venture firm RC Ventures, took a nearly 10% stake in Bed Bath & Beyond and recommended some changes to management. Shifting into Tuesday, we had the U.S. and U.K. banning Russian oil imports, but the U.K. didn't go as far as we did because they are still allowing natural gas and coal from Russia. If you want more details on that, check out the Tuesday briefing. Also on Tuesday, we had the Apple event where Apple announced that they have signed a deal to air two major exclusive Major League Baseball games on Friday nights and also dropped a new iPhone SE, a new iPad Air with a better chip with that M1 processor and also announced a new Mac Studio. Shifting into Wednesday, we had Biden rolling out his cryptocurrency executive order, which had six core focuses, those being illicit activity, U.S. competitiveness on the global stage, financial inclusion, responsible innovation, consumer and investor protection, and finally, financial stability. If you want more details, we went through his entire executive order on the briefing for Wednesday, so go give that a listen. And then finally on Wednesday, we had some labor market data, a report that jolts report out of the U.S. Department of Labor Labor reporting 4.3 million people quit their job in January. And then finally, yesterday, Thursday, we got that big-time consumer price index print of 7.9% in February. So inflation up 7.9% year over year in February over the past 12 months, where economists were expecting a 7.8% print. We also went through the core prints there. So go check out yesterday's briefing to get more details on the mega inflation jump. And then finally... Yesterday, we had Goldman Sachs and JP Morgan closing business in Russia. But that is the Running With The Money weekly recap. Please go give my fellow team members and my boys over at Pounding the Table a listen and a follow anywhere you can listen to podcasts. So Spotify, Apple Podcast, they're all over. Pounding the Table, turning out the best content in the financial game. And I am proud to be a team member of Pounding the Table. Either way, also give me and my team a follow at Running With The Money on Instagram and Facebook. Or give me a follow on Twitter at Luke Denae. We're running with the money. Publishes all our analysis podcast. Literally anything we create goes right through my Twitter as well. So in the meantime, easily profit trade on, and I will see you Monday.